Welcome back to the Locked On Marlins podcast, your only daily podcast on all things Miami Marlins. As always, I'm your host, Aram Layton. And how about that ball game yesterday? Marlins pull out another victory against the Braves, now already clinching the win on the series. They've taken two, looking for the sweep of the Braves later today in a pretty good pitching matchup in favor of the Marlins. Pablo Lopez against Tommy Malone. The Marlins have struggled against lefties in the past, but Tommy Malone is not on the top of my list of tough left-handed pitchers, and the Marlins should be able to get him out of the ballgame at least relatively early. I don't see him going much deeper than six innings. I don't think he has all year long. Great for the Marlins, a chance to really close the gap on first place. And how about Sixto Sanchez? He was lights out again, and he didn't even need to be with how good the Marlins' offense was. Kyle Wright continues to struggle for the Braves, was A very highly touted prospect, even coming into this year, but has not met those expectations. His struggles date back to the end of last season, and he's looking like a guy that might be relegated to the bullpen or even sent down or optioned. The only reason why he hasn't at this point is because the Braves have literally nobody to pitch. Nobody to pitch. That's why they go get Tommy Malone. That was their big, shiny trade deadline acquisition, and we're going to get our first look at him Later on today, Pablo Lopez looking to bounce back after a rough start for the first time really in this season for him. I mean, everybody's human. Pablo Lopez is human. So I'm not really going to make much of it. You know, if he struggles today, then maybe we got to take a look at what's different. But I think he is the type of pitcher to put it behind him. Yes, look at what he did wrong address it, and move forward. Sixto Sanchez is a guy who looks at what he did wrong, addresses it, and moves forward. Maybe better than any young pitcher I've seen. You remember back a few weeks ago, I think it was. Time flies right now, but it's hard to believe that Sixto's already been in the big leagues now for more than a week. I talked about how Sixto needed to improve upon that fastball in the upper part of the zone. He has done just that. And if you look at Baseball Savant, it now has two different pitches for him, which is a sinker and a fastball. The sinker is really just the fastball he was throwing before. Then the four-seamer is a straighter version of it. I think the two get blended together. I think that some sinkers are counted as fastballs and vice versa. So it's a little bit harder to differentiate at times, but you can tell based on the movement quite often the difference between the two pitches. So it's not necessarily a true sinker. It's more like the fastball he was throwing before, but it's very heavy and of course more effective in the bottom part of the zone. Now this four seamer that's a little bit straighter and has that kind of taking off riding action to it is really effective for him and helping him big time against right-handed hitters especially, which is what I want to start with. Yes, I'm going to talk about Trevor Rogers too, as I promised a few days ago, and I've been wanting to get into it. He's going to be on the second half of this episode, so the first half is going to be on Sixto Sanchez. Also, expect an article on Trevor Rogers in the next day or two on fishstripes.com, and it will really supplement the Trevor Rogers part of the podcast well because it'll give you some visuals as to what I'm talking about. Also, something really exciting in the mix too, I'm going to be launching a YouTube channel in part 
because of the fact that MLB has released so many videos. I think it was 3 million or something crazy like that. So I'm going to be doing some video breakdowns on some of the stuff I'm talking about with Marlins prospects, Marlins players, and major leaguers in general, major league prospects in general. So I'll be giving you more info on that as it develops. It's going to be the project of the week or so for me to get that YouTube channel going. I'm very excited about that. Some other things in the works and some other interviews that I'm looking forward to. So enough plugging for today. I'm going to talk a little bit about Sixto now. So of course, four starts, two and one with a 1.80 ERA, 25 innings, 25 strikeouts, and a .92 whip. You already knew that probably because we're all marveling at his numbers and how much he's improved each start. But what's amazing about each start is that he adapts based on the lineup that he's facing. We know that he's better against left-handers, left-handed hitters, that is. They hit only 200 against him this year with no extra base hits. So 9 for 45 with 9 singles and 17 strikeouts. That's a 37% K rate, which is just utterly absurd. And it's getting to the point where it's a large enough sample size that you can say, yeah, he's dominant against left-handed hitters. Right-handed hitters, he's been okay, but he wasn't quite as good against right-handers as left-handers, and we knew that, and so did the Braves. And that's why the Braves stacked their lineup yesterday with a bunch of right-handed hitters. And that was going to be the big test for Sixto, right? Can he use that new fastball that he's really been able to command at the upper part of the zone better? Will the slider be a pitch he can count on as much as he counts on the changeup against lefties? Because we know how good the changeup is against lefties. That's part of the reason why he's so dominant against left-handed hitters. But can the slider be what the changeup is to lefties, to righties? I think it can be, but the thing is, it doesn't need to be because of his diverse arsenal and now the variations of the fastball that he has. It's kind of a page out of Sandy Alcantara's book who likes to use two different types of fastballs really well and really change them up. Take a little bit off, put a little bit on, have one move a little bit one way, a little bit the other way. It's amazing how much he's able to manipulate his pitches and Sixto isn't far off with what he's able to do and it's been amazing to see. What did he do in this start to be better against right-handed hitters? Because clearly he was addressing something and first and foremost, tip of the cap to Mel Stottlemyre Jr. because he needs to get credit for a lot of this too. Yes, Sixto is a generational talent and he is special, but also it's worth noting that almost every single young starting pitcher for the Marlins has made strides this year and very tangible strides like added pitches that have helped them big time, improved command, a lot of things that Mel Stoudemire has helped them focus on. So Sixto is clearly making those strides between starts and now he faces a stacked lineup of right-handed hitters and was lights out. Right-handed hitters were two for 20 against Sixto in that ball game, which is insane. And the only two hits were by Marcelo Zuna and Austin Riley, both of which didn't do much damage, just singles. The only other hit, he only allowed three hits in the ball game, was Freddie Freeman hitting against the shift. So Sixto had missed his spot, which is where the shift will come back to bite you, is if you miss your spot. And we know that's a problem sometimes with Sixto, is missing the spots. But walks aren't an issue for him whatsoever. So that's the difference between control and command, right? He has great control. The command is still a work in progress. It's solid, but it can get a little bit better. And that's just a little tiny twinges and the difference between him being already, he already looks like an ace caliber pitcher, but an ace of aces, that's the difference for him. And he's getting there. But only two walks in 25 innings is elite in terms of command. That's a top 1% in baseball. 
I know it's a small sample size, but it's enough to really say his command is very good. How did he do it, though? What was different in this start against right-handed hitters? Because the Braves lineup is good. It's very good. There's a lot of really good right-handed hitters in it. How did he do this? Well, he totally changed the approach that he had to right-handed hitters and now was using a much different pitch selection to attack these right-handed Braves hitters. Generally speaking, he throws the fastball and the changeup both the same amount of the time against both lefties and righties if you're averaging them together, right? His total pitch percentage is 26% fastballs, 26% changeups, 20% sinkers, and then 18% slider, 8% curve. That's the total breakdown, even including yesterday's game, of how he approaches all hitters average together. How did he approach the Braves? Well, 36% fastballs, 26% sliders, 19% sinkers, and only 16% of the time did he throw the changeup. That's the most telling thing there. Because if you know one thing about Sixto Sanchez, it's that he has a spectacular changeup. I mean, a really, really good one. That's been his calling card. That's why he gets the comparisons to Pedro Martinez. Yes, he has the high velocity, but the changeup has always been the elite pitch for Sixto. The fact that he is confident enough and really just talented enough with multiple pitches to go away from that changeup. I know that a changeup is better against left-handed hitters as is. And yes, he wasn't quite throwing it as much against right-handed hitters right out of the gate, but he has phased it out even more against right-handed hitters thanks to the confidence in now the fastball and sinker variation and also his confidence in his slider, which has always been a good pitch, but now has the chance to be a plus pitch because of how much he's honing in on it and how he's able to use it to almost counteract that sinker action a little bit too. The changeup being his best pitch and being able to phase that out is what was most telling to me and the fact that one, he's able to adapt and two, that he can be effective in a lot of different ways. He's always able to pitch a little bit differently. And the fact that he was comfortable going to the fastball really more than half the time when you combine the sinker and the fastball, it's 55% of the time, it shows how confident he is, how fearless he is, and the fact that you can't really game plan for Sixto right now. For teams, there's only so much you can do to prepare for a guy like Sixto Sanchez because he is always adapting and he will pitch to the team he is pitching against. And that is something that you can't really teach. That's just a special talent and Sixto Sanchez is a special talent. Look, nobody is ever going to replace Jose Fernandez and really be able to replicate what he did and what he meant to Miami. But if anybody's going to be as close as possible, it's going to be Sixto Sanchez. He's electric on the mound. He is really likable. He's fun to watch. He goes about his business the right way. And I love the way he just struts on the mound, the energy that he has. Pitching Ninja overlaid Pedro Martinez's leg kick with his after the finish of the pitch. It's just so much fun. He is somebody that is going to be a part of this franchise for a while, hopefully, and also be a big part of the Marlins' success in the future. Going to get into Trevor Rogers now, who is also getting a little bit overlooked, at least by people outside of the Marlins' circle, and with reason, because you got a guy like Sixto Sanchez grabbing the headlines, but Trevor Rogers is going to start grabbing some attention too, and I'll tell you why. He is on a track to keep getting better as well. 
A reminder that this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a great option for the health conscious guy. Whether you want to lose weight or just maintain weight while still indulging something that tastes good, Built Bar is the best option. They're low calorie, low sugar, high in protein, and high in fiber, which is great for a keto diet. And the selection of flavors is just off the charts. They just added six new flavors, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, and four others. My personal favorite is peanut butter brownie. I really feel like I'm eating a candy bar, except it's only just four or five grams of sugar, depending on which bar you eat. And if you go to BuiltBar.com right now and use the promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get $10 off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. And there's a free cooler that'll come with the purchase while supplies last. So make sure you get that order in at BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON. So now let's look at Trevor Rogers, which is One of my favorite guys to look at just because of how unique he is as a pitcher. He really doesn't have anything elite in terms of sheer stuff, but his ability to maximize what he has is what's been so impressive because he's going to get better in terms of what he's able to do with breaking balls and how much more he's able to manipulate them and make them nastier. Really just that simple. Right now, he's still feeling that out a little bit and he's only pitched in the minor leagues for like a season and a half now at this point so it's it's really not been that much time for him to develop and when he was playing in a low level of competition in high school in New Mexico I'd assume he was just blowing fastballs by guys but the fastball has been his best pitch and I think it will always be his best pitch because of his deception it's perceived velocities higher which you know I've talked about in the past he's long and lanky but he comes across in a unique way that makes it miserable for left-handed hitters. Every pitch probably looks like it's coming at your front hip when guys throw like that, and it's brutal. It really is, and you can tell that left-handed hitters really do not enjoy his fastball or really anything that comes out of his arm because he is able to really use that deception in his favor. He uses the fastball more than any other pitch against lefties, and against righties, but the fastball against the lefties, he throws almost 59% of the time. Then he goes to the slider 19% of the time. And those two pitches work really well off of each other because when he's coming across like that, that fastball looks like it's coming across too, except it's firm and it gets on you quick. So if you're not sure if it's a fastball or a slider right out of his hand, you're going to be cheating a little bit and you're either going to be taking that fastball or If it's a slider, you're going to be waving at it. And that's what he's been able to do. You've seen guys either go down looking on the fastball in the outer half quite often, or you see guys chase the fastball at the letters, which is thanks to his ridiculously high spin rate that he gets on the fastball. I will get into the spin rate and how he's able to get guys to chase the elevated fastball after I talk a little bit about his location, because he likes to locate that fastball away to lefties. As I said, it looks like it's coming across. The slider is not a plus pitch by any means in terms of its just pitch quality and how much it breaks and how sharp it breaks. But because of the way his fastball plays up and how hard it is to read the difference between a breaking ball and a fastball out of his hand, the slider ends up playing like a plus pitch, at least against lefties it does. And that's why he throws it nearly a quarter of the time and it works really well for him. Then he mixes in the changeup Not as much against lefties, which makes sense. And I don't even think he should throw it much at all against lefties unless he just wants to keep them honest on occasion. What I have really liked in the addition 
that I have really liked from him is the sinker because it's really just kind of like Sixto, a heavier version of his fastball. And we're seeing that trend throughout Marlins pitchers, but it works really well for him when he needs to pitch to contact. And instead of being a two-pitch pitcher against left-handers, he now can add this where he has the confidence of it just like a fastball, except he can locate that in the lower part of the zone more. And it's just heavier. It doesn't really sink that much, but it doesn't have that riding action like I was talking about with Sixto that his fastball has. But it's even more dramatic with Rodgers because his spin rates are so high on the fastball. The average spin rate in the major leagues is right around 22.50. Trevor Rodgers gets a spin rate of right around 24.22. And when you compare velocity, or combine rather is the better word, and drivelinebaseball.com has a really good chart for this. The best thing you can possibly have is a high spin rate and high velocity, right? Because you're going to get more swings and misses, and you're going to have a ball that looks like it's coming even harder. So he throws roughly 93 to 95, can touch 96, 97, and he also gets a spin rate on his ball of right around 2,400, a little bit above it. As you look at this chart, which I'll tweet out to supplement the podcast, a 98 to 100 mile per hour fastball with a 1,900 to 2,100 spin rate is only going to get you roughly an 8% swinging strike rate, which for Trevor Rogers would be much worse than what he's been able to put up. And yeah, it's a small sample size for him, but let's say he's just like everybody else with his spin rate and his velocity. The average, when you look at a guy throwing 92 to 94 with the spin rate that Rodgers gets is right at 10%. I'd say Rodgers is closer to 94 to 96%. So his swinging strike rate is expected to be right around 12% when you look at 94 to 96 miles per hour and between 2,300 and 2,500 miles per hour. It's anywhere from 12 to 13% when it comes to swinging strike rate. The major league average in general for starters is between 7 and 8%. So we're talking about almost double the major league average on swinging strike rate for fastballs. That is huge. But then consider the fact that Trevor Rogers is much more deceptive than the average major league pitcher. And that has to factor in too, right? These charts are treating every baseball player as if they're robots. And that's the one little drawback with advanced metrics is, Players aren't robots, and Derek Jeter has said that too. He's warmed up to metrics, but he does acknowledge the fact that every person is different. Rodgers gets more out of his fastball because of his deception and the way that he throws and his extension. So now you combine the fact that he has the high spin rate, he has the higher velocity, which puts him into that upper echelon of 12 to 13% strike swinging strike percentage, which is expected, and now you add the deception. I can't really say what percent that would add to the swinging strike rate, but it makes it better. And that's the crazy thing about it. So we're just going to have to see a large sample size from Trevor Rogers to see how good his swinging strike rate is on the fastball, but it's going to be better than a majority of the major leagues. I wouldn't be shocked to see him in the 95th percentile by the time this season is over. The great thing for Rogers too, though, is the fastball isn't only good against left-handers. It's better against left-handers, but it's still effective against right-handed hitters because of the ability to command it. That being said, he's able to use his favorite off-speed pitch more against right-handed hitters, which makes the necessity of the fastball being that good 
not quite as dire, right? Because he can go to the changeup more frequently against the right-handed hitters, which he likes more than the slider. So he throws the fastball 47% of the time against right-handed hitters, but he throws the changeup 25% of the time, which is more than any other off-speed pitch he throws against a lefty or a righty. And that's his best swing and miss pitch by far is the changeup. And that's because, again, you're looking at that deceptive arm angle. Now imagine you're a right-hander. You don't even see the ball. So a left-hander thinks it's coming at his hip because it looks like it's coming from almost behind him. And now a right-handed hitter isn't even seeing the ball and it looks like it's coming from almost first base (laughs) with the extension that he's able to get. So when it's a fastball that ends up coming back over the plate, it's hard to pull the trigger. But then when it's a changeup that looks like it's going to be coming over the plate and ends up diving down, it's hard not to pull the trigger if you had just taken a fastball and said, I can't take another one like that. So he does a really good job of being able to get the most out of those pitches. And you can imagine just trying to picture yourself in the box, whether you're a lefty or a righty, how those two scenarios can give you some trouble. Also, the sinker plays much better against right-handed hitters because he's able to use that on the outer half and the lower half as well. So he throws it a little bit more against righties too, 15% of the time. The slider is almost phased out against right-handed hitters at just 13% of the time, which makes sense because it's not that sharp of a pitch yet. I think it'll get there, but if he develops that pitch, forget it. But, you know, with a softer slider, you're giving hitters a better chance because even if they're fooled, they can keep those hands back and poke it the other way. But with the changeup in the fastball, you're going to get them to really just wave at it when you mix up those two pitches against a right-handed hitter. So coming across like that makes it really, really hard. And that's why he has a chase percentage of 62% on the changeup, which is just ridiculous. And that makes sense when you consider all of the things that go into Trevor Rogers' delivery, his arsenal, and just how he's able to maximize it. I'm very eager to see what Rodgers can continue to do. And the crazy thing about it is his numbers are great, but he has been unlucky, and there's no way around it. I mean, I know a lot of pitchers are going to have a lower expected batting average than the actual batting average, but when the discrepancy gets massive like it is for Trevor Rogers, you have to think that he's only going to get better in terms of his numbers because it's been a lot of bad luck. His fastball expected batting average so far this year has been 103. He has a 103 batting average as the expected on his fastball. And for those who might not know what expected batting average is, it takes all things into account. It takes in the launch angle, the exit velocity, and how the defense was positioned and basically gauges it against every baseball that was ever hit ever and gives you a probability of it being a hit. Of course, nothing is bulletproof, but it's a pretty telling statistic and much more telling than just a regular batting average. His opponent batting average against the fastball is 231, which is way higher than a 103 expected batting average. Yeah, as I said before, the batting average is sometimes a little bit higher, but it's more than double. So that's a little bit extreme there. But even more extreme is the expected batting average on all pitches against left-handed hitters. People might think that Trevor Rogers might be a reverse split guy because of the numbers that we're seeing right now between lefties and righties, but I don't think that's the case because he really has had bad luck against left-handed hitters. A 120 expected batting average on all pitches, but a 217 batting average, which is propelled by this, and this was the most telling number of all, a BABIP of 385, which is absurd. And for context too, if you don't know, BABIP 
takes into account basically every single ball that's put in play, the batting average of all of those balls put in play. So the fact that the batting average is 217, yet the batting average of balls put in play is 385, that means Trevor Rogers is getting very, very, very unlucky. That's crazy. So if the expected batting average is anywhere near what his actual batting average will be against in the next few ball games, he's only going to get better. And the fact that he's putting up these numbers with some bad luck already, how about that home run from Hunter Renfro? That had a expected batting average of 0.080. It's literally an out 92% of the time. That's, again, crazy. So Rodgers has been very unlucky, yet has pitched through it, and perhaps most impressive after the five walks in the first start, cuts down the walks in the second start, and now in his third start only walks one and strikes out ten. He gave up three earned runs, all of which were on solo shots, which is not really concerning when you consider that it was in a band box at Tropicana Field. Also, two of the home runs came from a Rosarena, who I am extremely high on, and I think he's going to be a stud. He loves to hit left-handed pitchers. That's going to happen from time to time. Renfro's home run shouldn't have been a home run. It really should have been two earned runs on two solo shots from one guy who was locked in, not concerned. He's going to be even better at Marlins Park. He got it out of the way at Tropicana Field. It's only going to be easier for him moving forward. I expect even better starts on the horizon from Trevor Rogers. Hope you enjoyed this breakdown of the two pitchers. As I mentioned earlier, look out for an article on fishstripes.com for Trevor Rogers and the breakdown and going even deeper into some of his metrics and why I think he is here to stay with Braxton Garrett very similar and not too far behind. Marlins go for the sweep today. Can Pablo Lopez help them bring the brooms out against Tommy Malone and the Braves? We'll have to see. Thank you for listening. I look forward to talking Marlins with you tomorrow.